From Bossier City, Louisiana, this is the Grouch and the Brainstorm. Welcome back to the Grouch and the Brainstorm. This is Mike, and I'm here tonight with Matt. Say hi, Matt. Hello. I'm here with Jill. Hello. Say hi, Jill. Oh, hi. Oh, that was my cute. <laughs> no, just a, just a joke. And it's just us tonight. Everybody else has a uh, busy Friday night planned, apparently. This has been a rough week for most of us, uh, except for Jill, who has been at the uh, beach, the ocean. That's right. Enjoying uh, the finer things in life while Matt's out on the field cutting grass and enjoying the not finer things of life. You know, and I'm just going long hours without sleep doing inventory. So there you go. Yeah, and apparently the other two were just so wore out they couldn't even come. They couldn't bless their hearts. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to start off tonight by talking about the email line that you can always reach us out. That is gnbbosier at gmail dot com. Haven't got one email yet. Would love to get one, though, if you want it mentioned on the air. And we have a telephone number, which is area code 985-377-4816. You can call and leave a voicemail. No one is going to answer that phone. That is a work phone for me. And I do not answer that phone if someone calls. But we will take the voicemail. If you want it played, we will play it on the air. We can even do that. We have that kind of technology going on. So... With everybody being back and our, with, you know, Jill being back, this is our first episode in a couple episodes to be able to be back with us. So we're glad to have her back. And we are going to dive off into the fourth step. And I think that, uh, you know, a couple of, uh, I got a couple of responses this week. And I just realized this week that on our Spotify feed, you can actually have a Q&A with our uh, listeners, and so we had a couple of people hit the Q and A. Some some way to goes for old Hayden, and um, and Lisa Lisa had a way to go on there too. You know, cool. people that liked her story, and then I got some uh, text message feedback from Judy, my friend Judy, and a shout out to Judy and Larry out there. But I got some text message feedback from her on Dickie T's story. And so I shared that with Dickie T, and um, man, Dickie T was overwhelmed with joy to hear that, to the point where she actually listened to her own story for the first time. Yeah. And then I heard about that today. So appreciate any any interaction we can get. Uh, it's going to be a slow week for the next couple of weeks. I will be out of town, so probably will not release an episode next week, but... You know, some way or shape or form, it may end up happening anyway, depending on what my schedule over the next 24 hours looks like. But tonight we're going to dive off into the actual fourth step. So, Matt, Jill, are y'all ready? Let's do it. Let's do some good stuff, man. Um, After the conversation we just had, we probably all need another fourth step. (laughs) (laughs) I did probably need to do all 12. (laughs) Start at the beginning. Um, before we get off into the actual fourth step, so, you know, and the big book says, therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. And it talks about the inventory, right? Before we get off into that, how often have you taken a fourth step, Matt? Uh, one time. Okay. One time. One legitimate time. Mm-hmm. Jill? Uh, five, six, seven, and this. Okay. Been quite a Your time. own fourth step. Yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm and let me let me preface that by saying some are we, sicker than we, others. No, 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 wait, no, wait. no. Um, there have been issues that have come up in sobriety that have been one particular mm-hmm. thing that we have done, but it hasn't been sit down and make a you know a standard yeah four step. Mm-hmm. So I've been through steps like multiple. I know everybody's shocked that I would have to, like, go back and do some more character <laughs> defects. I know everybody out there knows. Cured, you know. huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you're well enough to do a podcast, you shouldn't need a four-step. Exactly. Uh, I think we all need a four-step on a regular basis, kind of like it says in the book, a business that needs a, a regular inventory. So another question here. Um, how many parts to the four-step? How many parts? How many parts? What, four? Four? Do you know them? Six. Resentments, harms, one other. Fear. There you yeah. go. There you go. Thanks, As Jill. I, Jill Mouth. And it, it's very interesting. <laughs> Mike always started off with, with this. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, the one Surprise. we talk about, the one we talk about the most is resentments. Yeah. You know, the, the resentments yeah. being the number one offender in AA, uh, or you know, in alcoholism. Period. Resentments seem to be the number one offender. So that's where we usually talk about. So um, obviously, the listeners out there are have sponsors. I hope. And so we're going to share our experience with the fourth step, not tell you how to do a fourth step. That is between you and your sponsor. Sure don't want to lose listeners because someone's sponsor found out that that's how you should. That's not how that works. Right. Um, But we've all taken them. I've taken two really good four steps and one here many years ago and one in New Orleans uh, probably about two years ago, both of which were very needed. And my, t- my, st- my second fourth step at 10 years was probably about five years overdue. Probably should have See, and you that. said that, and I just came up on five years, and I've been talking to Bobby, and I'm like, you know, I just want to, like, go back through the steps. And then you saying that, I'm like, yeah, it's, I, th- I feel like it's. Do it. I mean, I wanted yeah. another spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's where I'm at. I'm just like, you know, I think just a. Well, a personal house cleaning, a confession, yeah. if you would. And that will get off into the fifth step when it's time for the fifth step, right? So that's where the confession would be. But the personal house cleaning and making a list of my resentments. You know, it really helps to have a sponsor when you do this. I went into my very first four step, and that's what we're going to talk about, the first part of it, which is uh, resentments, right? So in the big book, it says <clears throat> that we set out to find I do not want to do this uh, without reading it. I don't want to paraphrase. So um, we set out to find the flaws in our makeup which have caused us problems. And then how do we do that? We take a personal house cleaning. And then it says that resentment's the number one offender. So we get our resentments and we look at them on paper. Now, how you do that completely between you and your sponsor. I do it straight out of the big book. That's just... It's easier for me just to go straight out of the big book. Some people have a workbook, like a, you know, they get it from a from a, a central office or a treatment center. I would imagine it's the thought that goes into it, the amount of detail writing, and taking that good, hard look at yourself, right? So, you know, I, I with my guys and the ones I work with, you know, I have them go ahead and uh, we, we write down flaws in our makeup, and then we just turn the page. We'll go back to that last, right? And then I have them do three columns straight out of the big book. I'm resentful at the cause and how it affects me, right? And that way they can go back and look at those three columns and go, wow, this world really has dominated me. These people really have dominated me. And, you know, and I'm going to add one more thing to that, you know, because I want you guys, obviously I need your input. I, I surely ain't a professional, um, but the one thing I would like to add is we, we list people, institutions, and principles. That's what it says in the big book, right? That's, so a lot of times in my mind, I'm only thinking of people mm-hmm. that I resent, right? But that's institution and principles is a big part of the four step, you know, and I'll give an example, right? The very first time I did a four step, I only listed people. Never once did I list one of my biggest resentments, and I'll say it on air. I'm sure it won't get too far, you know, but the IRS, right? That that was a resentment of mine, you know, and um, why? Well, because they want my money, you know, and it affects my pocketbook, you yep. know. I mean, just look, you know, my hard-earned money and all that stuff, you know, it goes in. But that was a, an institution, you know, and it, if that's bothering me, I should have listed it on there. Right. And so that's a, um, and that's just my example of, of what I could, you know, bring to the table on, on this particular part of this particular step. But we, we, we hear in meetings, the dreaded four step, you know, I don't, I don't know about that. I was so nervous going into my four step and, and, you know, realistically, uh, I think a lot of that is chatter, you know, scuttlebutt throughout the rooms of AA, you know, it's, it's very important just to do it. You know, just to get this stuff on paper. The first time may not be as much as the second or the third or whatever. And you can always think of something later. But start on it because you have momentum up until step four. You have some really good momentum. Going through the book, reading, and then you hit step four. And they're like, oh, I'll see you in a month and a half when I finish writing all this right. stuff. And I could have wrote it all in a day. 
I could have wrote it all in six hours. So, um, you know, and that's my take on the first part of step four. What you guys got? Uh, the first part. Um, well, you know, typically what I, I wanted to mention, um, if I'm working with my sponsees is I print it off the internet. They have already, you know, the sheets made and, and you can just fill them out and all. Um, my first fourth step, I is I barely can remember it. Uh, it, was, it was a while ago, and um, I was in treatment, and it took a while for, for all that information to make sense to me in my head. I could name all these people and things that I resented, but wait, I have a part in that, and, and that didn't make any sense. Like it really took, you know, my. Uh, that that one lady like really explaining that to me because I was like I don't like they did this and I'm mad makes sense um but that that took a while for me to see how if like why was I still holding on to this and um that was an interesting interesting spark I mean part um of course going through the fears the resentments and all of that um and the people I've harmed, I had a lot of fears and resentments, a lot of them. I didn't have many of the other two, um, but uh, to be honest with you, I think those were the two things I struggled with the most, struggled with the most. Is the, uh, what, resentments? Resentments and the fears. Resentments and fears. Okay. What about you, man? Yeah, mine was probably, probably resentments the most, um. Yeah, I mean, I, I I had just a list of everybody, you know, I've been keeping that thing forever. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, and then you have to play out, you know, that down the road you go with that and you realize, oh, I, it was me in every one of these. Um, but that was probably my biggest, I'm kind of thinking back on it, but for sure resentments were because I still deal with that today and I have to make sure, am I getting a resentment? Is this that big of a deal so um it's still a problem you, you know, know i felt me. like i didn't even have any resentments i really did and when i came in i felt like there were none like zero oh is that like denial ish or looking back on it maybe okay. a little bit of denial maybe just not paying attention okay not understanding what a resentment really was mm -hmm. um I, I think a combination of everything really but I, I just honestly thought I didn't have any resentments. I just, you know, hey, I, I let everything go, you know, water off my back. I don't, you know. And, um, and then I, that's where a sponsor came in handy. He started bringing up these resentments, you know, and I was like, oh, oh. But he's like, here's the thing. He said, I want you to think back to when you were a kid, earliest you can, right? Is there anything back there that just really jolts you? And I brought up something, and I was like, yeah, but I was five. You know, I was mm -hmm. five years old. He goes, I, but it still bothers you. You're still thinking about it. There you go. Yeah, that's what my sponsor said. You're still thinking about it. And So in my head, I want to go ahead and jump ahead to my part, because that's what everybody keeps talking about. And I'm thinking it's not a resentment if I don't have a part in it. That's what I'm thinking, right? Because I know I've got to eventually write my part in it, so of course I'm going to minimize. And second... You know, I'm thinking I had no part in it. I'm not going to list it. And that's not what this step is for. This step is for listing our resentments, right? We'll mm -hmm. get to the our part whenever we get to that fourth column. The, yep. And, um, and eventually in AA, you know, we kind of learn to live in the fourth column of the fourth step. You know, we kind of learn to look at our part in almost everything. And that's where this is leading to. You know, I hate to, you know, be a, you know, character, you know, break, break the, uh, the code. I hate to break the code, but yeah. realistically, you know, but I didn't think I had any, none. And he took me back to then. And, you know, we started working our way north of, of in age wise, as far as different things that had happened. And by the time we finished, we had a nice little list of resentments, you know, and how they affected me and, um, you know, what the people did, how they affected me. And then of course, when we get to our part, if it ain't our part, it might just be holding on to it. Mm -hmm. might just you know exactly. be my only part was holding on to it i dale 
was my very first sponsor. And I'm going to tell you, when he said that, you know, my, the, the only part you may have is just holding on to it. That person may be gone. They may be dead, you know, may not be alive out here anymore. But you're still holding on to it, which means it's affecting you somewhere in there, right? And we walk through each one of these, you know, one, two, and three, you know, one, two, three, and four, all the columns. So I, uh, that, that part, you know, um, was crucial because I didn't even know I had that in me. Does that and, make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what you, what you said earlier, and this is what I was going to say, and you kind of, I'm glad that you said it. You keep saying with a sponsor, <laughs> with a sponsor, get a sponsor. This is not, you know, I, I don't know who's listening to this, but, but, you know, this is, this is where sponsors just take you through this thing and don't try to outthink it. And also don't, don't make it a bigger deal than it is. Let your sponsor, you know, I went with my list and some of that stuff, he said, man, eh, some of it was a big deal that I didn't think was a big deal. That let your sponsor work through that stuff with you, you know. Um, and if you miss something or you leave it off, you can go back. I mean, we we do that regularly. Yeah, you unless know? you leave it off on purpose, the world is not going to. Well, the world's not going to stop spinning whether you leave it off on purpose or not. But unless you leave it off on purpose, that's legit. But you know, as long as I've been, like I say that, like I've been in here a million years. But coming in here and working with people and seeing people coming in and out of the rooms for whatever reason. Well, I know why, but the fourth step is where people just hit the brakes. Well, we lose some momentum. Yeah. We do. Yeah, we and do I agree with momentum. that. I, I never really thought about it like that. Um, I've really never understood why. I mean, I didn't, I, it didn't scare me. I was, at that point in my life, I was so desperate and ready to change that I was like, and it didn't take me long. It just took a couple of hours. I mean, I could, everything, I, you know, all the resentments I was able to put down really quickly and, and the resentments, um, it didn't take me long. Uh, but some people, you know, like they say, will balk at this kind of stuff. And um, I was just, I was ready. But I mean, like I, you say balk, I mean, like I've seen like terror in people's yeah. eyes. And they've, they've read enough to go, okay, now I know where we're going with this. And I don't even, I try to make the the smallest deal out of it like okay now we're moving on to four it's like truck brakes you know yeah and so i'm saying like i just don't like why uh, i don't know i, I that's one I, thing i, I wasn't scared mine out, of but but i was also you know one i didn't want to do it but then i did want to do it and be very thorough yeah and i was like i, I want to get everything and get this done and i don't want to have to do it again well i'll still do it you know and so I think it, if I like, thinking back to when I first did it, uh, I probably was so eager to be like, these people piss me off. Yeah. And this is why I have resentments. Yeah. That's what because, I did. Because like, literally, I was like, oh, I have, oh, I have a part in that? Yeah. It, because like they didn't, whoever my temporary sponsor was, didn't explain to me really how to do that last part. And so I came with it uncompleted and then we talked about it and I was like, oh. <laughs> well yeah rude yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah who made this about me you know right well it uh yeah i mean uh it was kind of i was kind of like that i mean it was like i've got all this stuff the world's out to get me and then i figured mm -hmm. out why the world was out to get me yeah you do realize a lot of character the world defects off. whenever just in the resentment part of this you realize a lot of character defects and um you know that's the purpose of the first three columns right here in the big book, this was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were ha perhaps spiritually sick, right? So there are some of those out there that are spiritually sick, right? So we have to look at that as well. You know, we're looking at this list and we're going, man, they have really wronged us. These people, we're burned up. We're sore. I think they use the term sore. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't mean the same anymore, really. Usually when we're sore, it's because we've been exercising too much. But, you know, these people were sore. and But, you know, these, these resentments can be grave, right? And it says that in the big book as well. So, um, but in the big book, and I'm going to refer to the big book a lot because I really don't want to screw this up with Mike's version of anything, right? Um, it talks about we turned back to the list for it held the key to the future. And we turn back to the list we wrote, the three columns, 
with the names, the action, and how it affected us because it held the key to the future. Well, the key to the future is our part, right? And that's whenever we have to uh, we have to look at it because the power these folks have over us is what this is saying. These people have power over us. The power they have over us can actually be fatal to us. Sure. It can cause us uh, to go back out there and do it. If, if drinking is the number one offender, which I believe the big book, it, 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 you know, the the resentment you mean well i believe the big book the the recipe it gives me for sobriety has worked for you know many years the recipe for recovery really and um i believe that these things also i have to read this one line out of the big book if we were to live we had to be free of anger the grouch and the brainstorm were not for us amen and that is where the title of this podcast, or the uh, yeah, the title of the podcast comes from, is uh, from that sentence right there. The grouch and the brainstorm are not for us. And brainstorm back then was a little bit different. We talked about that in episode two or three. Um, this is where you go back and re-listen to some episodes if you want to hear that part of it. But um, so that is the uh, the resentment part of it, right? Um, and then there's the uh, the prayer, you know. This is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God save me from being angry. Thy will be done. Have you ever had to say it, Matt? Sure. Did it a few weeks ago, basically. Yeah. Um, just, just now I've learned to go, something's going on with this person that I'm having an issue with. Um, and maybe it's something I've done that I can correct. And a lot of times it is. And that I've learned to try to look at that as best I can. But sometimes people, you know, we, we expect everybody to be tolerant with us and, oh, I'm dealing with so much stuff. Well, everybody deals with stuff. You know, they don't always handle it perfect. And so when you can take that minute and go, let me just pray for the person, you know, mm-hmm. breathe for a second. Um, and you go, maybe something's going on, you know, yeah. and, and uh, a lot of times it is. And uh, that, that situation literally a few weeks ago, that happened and i mean i was so irritated i pulled over on the side of the road and got out and walked through the grass and uh there was a guy with me and he goes what are you doing i said you stay in the truck i'll be back in a minute and i just walked off was you irritated with him no it was with with uh someone else on the phone while i was in the truck with this person and the guy i know he thought i was crazy i didn't really care and uh got back in the truck and i was not it was better but by the following day the person that I prayed for called me and apologized and said, dealing with a lot and went into what he was dealing with. And he said, I kind of over, over, overloaded there. And I said, it's fine. I understand. And it never became a big issue. You didn't say it's fine. I understand you're a sick man. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't throw that out there. I need uh, to treat you like a sick man. But you know, uh, you know, when that kind of thing happens and then it's kind of reaffirmed, like, you know, Hey man, you know, something, something's probably going on instead of, just taking everything so personal so yeah well i mean that might be the first glimpse of a pause you know like we'll talk about i'm sure in a future episode you know the pause hey we could probably have a whole episode just on the pause itself yep yeah and and for me that's been with the anger you know that we're talking about Mm -hmm. that's where we stop i stop the anger from going to a hundred and just going you know, furniture moving and tearing a building down. You know, it's like I've got to stop that before it gets going. And usually you pray. It, it's a good way to defuse a lot of it. It may not do it all, but it'll at least calm you down in the moment. Yeah. You know? yeah. So if you can get through those first few moments of that, usually you'll be all right. But. Yeah. I think the beautiful thing about step four is is learning that you can look at all this stuff from a different perspective. Um, and I think that's the whole point of it. Like, you may think this certain way, but it doesn't have to be that way. I want you to look at it in a whole different perspective. I mean, and I'll quote my sponsor on this, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'll just say a general one from my fourth step, and then we go to fifth step. So, resentments. And I have both my parents on there, and they're probably listening to this, and they already know they were on there because I've already mm-hmm. told them. And my sponsor, his, this is a quote, and I read off this dramatic resentment. And he looked at me and he goes, hey, man, did you did you get to eat when you were a kid? Did you have food on the table? And I said, yeah. And he goes, did you have lights on at your house? And I said, yes, sir. He goes, did you go to school every day? Yes, sir. 
He said, um, your parents took you to church every Sunday? I said, yeah. He goes, then what the heck is wrong with you? He goes, you had it about better than about 99% of the world. He's like, get over it, dude. And I was like, uh, you're right. Yeah. He goes, did you ever think that maybe your parents were doing the best they could do? And I went, hmm, not really. I've always just blamed them for everything. That's you know? exactly yeah. the Bobby same with e me. right there, baby. Parents take a beating. I'm going to tell you, yeah. my, I had an epiphany when it comes to my parents one time. And uh, I was about to go... Uh, I was about to go on stage and uh, do a, do a talk for some event we had going, and um, I remember telling uh, a guy at the club that this guy's been sober since '86 or '96. It's been a long time, you know. But um, I remember telling him, you know, that I I was talking about my father, you know, and I, how much I love my father, and I said, uh, and I don't think in all these years, I I think at the time I was 46 or 44. I said, I don't think in all these years that uh, my dad's ever told me he was proud of me. And he looked at me and he said, have you ever told your dad you're proud of him? <laughs> and I thought, well, I'll be damned. You know, that's, that is, uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. That perspective again. Yes, it's looking at it from a whole nother angle. You're you know, like, damn. <laughs> proud of me for what, you know? <laughs> And you know it, you destroyed more families than I have. Son. We talk about resentments, but it always comes back to me. It always comes back to ego. And I am not the center of attention. Why do I think I need to be the center of everyone's drama? You know, everyone hates. Why is that? That's to me is just killing that. Exactly. We want to make it about us. Right. And and that's what everything for me personally. That's what I keep running into is like. Me? <laughs> yeah, me. I'm going, why, Why? you know, I I mean, I raise kids, and like he, like he yep. brought up with me, he goes, how was you as a dad compared to your parents? And I went, oh, it was horrible. <laughs> you know? yeah. And he goes, yeah, exactly. So you're on here with this big, long list. He goes, make one about yourself, you know? And I was like, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, that was huge with the parents. Yeah. Like, yeah. They were doing the best they could with what poor, they had. Poor parents take a beating when yeah, we they first do. get Hey, hey, don't they? And I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I, I mean, you, you have to. Uh, it's just changed my whole attitude, though. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's changed my whole attitude. I saw my mom last weekend. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's better than it's ever been with both of them. And, uh, you know, I love it. So. Well, I'm sure I could be a better son than I am now, but. Um, but the relationship does no, no longer centers around some of the craziness that it did before. You know, I've said this when I got sober, I thought bad stuff would stop happening, you know? And the truth is the bad stuff still happens. It's the crazy stuff has stopped, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, it just, the craziness has, has come to a halt, but the bad stuff, it's just, just part of life. And think about. Now that I have, and I have younger kids, but my two older ones are grown. They're out of the house. One of them's in the Army. He's living his best life, okay? He's doing that thing. He's 21, 22. He's having a good time. Single. He's enjoying life, you know? And I have a daughter who's raising my first grandkid, and she's doing great. But I think about how I worried my parents. And even as an adult, especially as an adult, how much worry and stuff that I cause them that they've probably never said anything to me about because I would be in the same boat with, with my kids, you know, yeah. regardless of how old they were. Yeah. And, uh, so, and it's fun to watch them start raising kids when you oh, get to man. that age. Look, look, you're like, I hope they, uh, give you everything. Oh, and my oh. daughter, um, Caden is, he's going to give her every bit back that she gave her old dad. So, He's a uh, he's he's circle all of life, baby. Circle it, of life. Right it, it is. It is. So future, <laughs> future four step right there. Well, he, he's a uh, he is a handful, and she has got her hands full with him. But uh, it's nice to see. You know, I'm glad I'm around to see it. So, so we've we've sat down at, at a at a, a place, and we've written down the three columns. Right, who we resentful at. So we got some names, what they did, the actions. Right. And and the call how it affected me, right? This is how their actions affected me, and that's where we're at, right? In the very first part of the fourth step, and then in this, I'm gonna read out of the big book here for just a second. It says, referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, 
we resolutely look for our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How do you do that? That's tough, right? Mind blown. Where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other man's or woman's. When we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. Apparently, they only had one color ink back in the day. (laughs) We admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to make these matters straight. Oh, that paragraph right there, it tells me what to do. It even tells me what questions to ask myself, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just say I have a resentment against Matt. And it was because he, you know, flung a rock under the lawnmower and hit my car, right? And it caused me issues, whatever these issues would be. Well, when I take that, I look at that name, and then I go back, and I start on my fourth column. And I say, Matt, man, he's burning me up. So I have to ask myself, where have I been selfish? Well, I'm only thinking about my car. You know, Matt didn't know there was a rock there. Where have I been dishonest? Yeah. Well, I told the insurance company it was a, a boulder, you know. You where have I been self where, where have I been <laughs> self-seeking? Right? It, it was more than about just my car. This is about a, a uh, this is more of about a feeling than it is about a fact. And where have I been frightened? Well, I'm worried people are going to see my car with a dent in it. Talk about ego. Mhm. Yeah, yep. I, I need to go check my car right quick, guys. I mean, um and those, in all seriousness, though, though a situation had not been entirely my fault, I have to disregard Matt entirely. So what character defects are causing me to feel this way about Matt? And those are the questions that I'm asking myself in the dreaded fourth column. Me, you know, when I'm working with my guys. So these are the, uh, the things I have them write down. So you, you see that, that one paragraph and how crucial it is. Sure. And I get to look at my part on it. Now... We move on to the second part or the next part. You know, they, we ain't got to number them. We move on to the next part. We notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mrs. Brown and Miss Jones, two people that are actually listed in this, an employer. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It's an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. But did not we, ourselves, set the ball rolling? Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to be more trouble. So we reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, even though there was no resentment in connection, and we asked ourselves why we had the fear. So now we're on fear, right? We're talking about fears. So not your fears, Right, We're just talking about fears in general. I mean, if you want to give me some of your fears, that's great. I'll take all the fears I can get, right? But for me, I'm not talking about the fear of spiders. I'm not talking about the fear of snakes, right? I'm talking about real fears, fears that emotionally cripple. And some, not to discount those folks who get emotionally disturbed by snakes and spiders. I'm not discounting that. If, you, if that's a real deal, have at it. What I'm, what I'm talking about is the things that might be eating my lunch on a regular basis, right? So, um, you know, the fear of being alone has been a huge one that I've heard over the years from many, many people, you know, just the fear of being alone, right? Um, And that would be something that if someone lets that, you know, next episode we're going to talk about natural instincts, right? That's going to be the topic is natural instincts, you know, and, and we all have them. You know, we got to eat. We got to have a roof over our head. We got to have food. Some of us more than others, right? This minute, <laughs> we got to have. But so we'll talk about the natural instincts. And but that's going to be a great topic, I think, for a lot of us because the natural instincts are different. But when we look at fear and we write those down on paper, when I do, right? And I still do this, by the way. I write them in my iPad now. But when I write them down on paper, I kind of look back at them and go, this is, you know, I'm either thinking about the future and I'm not good enough to figure out the hell I ain't good enough to figure out today, you know. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the future is not something that I'm going to be able to figure out. 
And, um, and then some of them are just silly. You know, some of them are absolute fear of the unknown. Well, to me, that's just fear of fear. Yeah. I'm just scared that I'm going to be scared. Right. So, um, how has this helped me? I've learned that prior to coming to AA, I didn't do much as far as getting out there and doing what a human being can do, right? I drank, I worked, I slept, you know, somewhere in there, had a couple kids, got married a couple times, a few times. Um, thought I was contributing to society. I thought I was doing something, right? But the truth is, what kept me from getting out there was fear, fear of people, mm-hmm. fear of economic stability, fear of all kind of stuff kept me from starting a podcast. It didn't exist back then, but I'm, that's an example. Fear, you know, kept me from getting on an airplane and flying anywhere I wanted to go. It kept me from a lot of stuff. It kept me from me. It kept me from being me. So that evil and corroding thread, this is a very important part of this. And sometimes we actually skip this step entirely, this part of this step. And this is a very important part, the fear part. So what do you think about the fear part, man? Well, I think it's funny, like, going to that, too, is like, I think it does come down to control. And we want to control, and it's constant fighting over control. So I was talking with a dude the other day. And he's not in a program, but he's trying to go out and date and stuff like that, right? And he's like, well, I just don't want to ask a girl out, you know, because it may not work out. And I'm like, so you're scared of dating someone and then it not working out. It's not working out now. You know, you don't, you're not dating anyone. So, you know, you're projecting this fear of a result that you don't know what would happen, you know? And I just thought about that later and I was like, that's kind of how we are is like we're just inventing or I do I'm just inventing results and it comes back to control and I go well I'm scared this might happen well my fears are directly in relation to how I am spiritually so I'm pretty chill most of the time when I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and I'm spiritually in touch with God and but when I get away from that I can instantly, it's instant go to these weird thoughts and I have to go, wait a minute, what are you doing? Like, it's, it's just uncanny. Um, and, and it, again, this goes back to a sponsor and I keep saying this, this whole time, this is where you sit down with someone as, as you go through this and let someone show you, Hey, this is what's really going on here. Um, I was kind of blinded to that the whole way through, you know, and then it, um, but this is the step where I really started getting better. And I went, Oh, I notice a change now. Things are changing for the better. Um, and there was a fear of doing the four step for that matter. But, um, and how know, come? Cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to tell someone I was really, I guess scared of five too, but I knew that was coming, but, I didn't want to tell myself and I really didn't want to tell God and I didn't want to tell anybody else any of this stuff. And there was a lot of them and it was told to me there needs to be a lot of them. And there was an example of how many there should be for each column. And so, yeah, you know, you go back to five years old, seven years old, and you think, oh, that's crazy. You know, you're 38. Why are you worried about that? And then I've been a part of some of those, and it's five years old, six years old, eight years old. It's just steadily through your life. Yeah, and other people were, you know, other people deal with that same thing. And, um, but I noticed a weight of writing that down, and I was uh, so at the time I was married, had three kids at home, and one of them was real little, and so I couldn't focus. And it was a little house, and I just got out of treatment, and. So I would take it to a park over here in Bossier and sit and do it. And it took me a while. And some of it was dread, fear of doing it. Um, But it gave me some time to just sit and think about it. And it did take me a while. Um, But, yeah, that became the the change for me. Like, I noticed it was just a noticeable, I don't know if it was a relief or or what it was, but... um, 
yeah, it was a game changer. So from then on out, it was cruising then, you know. So Nice. Yeah. It was. I mean. Mine, my fears were horrifying. And I didn't believe they would ever go away. Because they, they hadn't, you know. And I'd been experienced these. I want to say these, I say panic attacks. I was scared to death. I'd had another one of those. And to me to have another one of those, I wouldn't make it because I don't have a substance to make it go away. The thing is, I haven't had a panic attack since I've gotten sober, which is to me one of the biggest miracles. But um, like 13 years, right? Huh? 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time. It's It's amazing to me. And they crippled me. They absolutely paralyzed me to the point like all I did was sedate myself and just try to make something out of life with that. Um and a lot of other things. And the thing is, with fears, like the opposite of fear, which I was just talking about tonight in the meeting, is trust. Um, and at that point in my life, I didn't trust anything. I just didn't. I felt like I'd been, you know, let down by everything. I was never taught that I needed to trust or believe in a higher power or anything of that nature. So, I mean, what do I have to trust? I knew I couldn't trust me. Um, so I think that's why I had panic attacks for so long and why I felt so lost and, and just crazy is I lived in fear and I feared everything. Yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes it would be driving. Sometimes it'd be sitting in the theater. If things got too overwhelming, I'd have a damn panic attack. Yeah. It, it just, and so I never thought that would end. I thought that's just like, it was what it was. And I would live with those for the rest of my life. But, you know, um, I didn't have a problem listing all of those because I had so many of them, so many of them. And, uh, but I just, by that point, I had just conceded to the fact that that wasn't going to change. And that scared me because I knew I wouldn't be able to handle life if it didn't. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I was, you know, and, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more on fear and then we'll move on to the next part, um, which is sex. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about it, guys. So go ahead and get ready, Matt. Um, Let's talk about I'm just kidding. Yeah. That, that, uh, that's a couple-hour deal. <laughs> well, we're going to have to uh, put it into about a 15-minute segment. Um, oh, don't go bragging over there, Matt. On that. You said we go back how young? Seven, eight years old? <laughs> Seven seconds later, Matt's done. Hey, I will say this before we get off here, too. We're not um, going to get off of it just yet, but go ahead, bud. Well, I, 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 uh, I heard a song the other day. And this guy sent me, or somebody sent me this, or this guy wrote, and it was a poem about fear. And uh, he's a singer, pretty popular guy. But one of the lines in the song I love, or in the poem I loved, and it said, I will not fear tomorrow, for I feel as though today has been enough. And I was like, I, that's if that's not recovery, I don't know what is. So, um, and that's what I do today. I just try not to. Well, you know, I had, project. My, I had some fears. And um, I'm not going to classify these with the spiders and bugs and, and airplanes and stuff like that. And those are real fears. I get that. Um, I had some fears. Uh, I feared the end of the world. Um, major. I'm talking about crippling, keeping me inside fears. I feared uh, Jesus coming back. That was a, a huge one. You know, um, it, the thought process went through my head all day, every day. Am I going to get left? You know, that, that really was um, part of my life. You know, I would, I would see certain things on the news and be completely consumed with fear for months. And I just I had to stay away from news. Um, and it just so happens, you know, at school, we had to bring current events, you know, out of the newspaper. We had to clip current events. And, you know, back then, you got to remember the 80s and Cold War and all the stuff that was going on. And um, some of the current events had to do with, um, you know, the United States relationship with Russia and nuclear this, that, and the other. And, man, I heard the word nuclear reactor, and I didn't know why. I'd get freeze. I would freeze with fear. I'd get a hot feeling up my back, you know. And, um, and a lot of this did, uh, did stem from having a very religious upbringing. I get that, you know. But uh, the reason I, I bring up any of this is for the simple fact that Earlier tonight, we talked about that first drink, hmm. right? 
my first drink. I told you guys about the first time I ever drank. It was a conversation we had off air. Um, and the time when I took that first drink, I was 14, every single fear that I had completely vanished. Mm-hmm. Every fear. I'm talking about I didn't care about the end of the world. It didn't matter to me about, you know, rejection. You know, I mean, when, for some reason, when you get some whatever it is in your system, you know, it's, well, I'll just move on to the next one if this one rejects me. You know what I mean? And sure. So there, there was absolutely zero fear, you know. And then I come off of that, and I realize that I have a solution to my fear problem. And hence many, many years, and that's not the only reason, right? But many years of, of pushing those fears to the side. So whenever I got to this step with my first sponsor, you know, obviously I had to tell. I felt kind of silly being a 38-year-old man sitting across from a, you know, I think at the time he was only a few years older than me, maybe 55, 56. And sitting across from him, though, and telling him, you know, these are, these are real fears for me. Like this, this is, you know, even to this day, you know, I, I used to. And, I have, I've been sober for a little while and I, I don't have those fears anymore, you know, and it, it obviously they didn't stem from wrong living because I was a pretty good kid. You know, I did, I did exactly what I was told most of the time. And, uh, so those were real. And, um, so it helps to have conversations like we're having right now with a sponsor so you can talk through them, identify them and they're there on paper, you know, and, the ones that may look silly may not look silly when you're finished, you know. And then right. after you start sponsoring people, well, it really kicks in. Yeah. So do you guys, y'all sponsor, yes. when you do your four-step, you've, you've got your four-step, you have somebody sitting down to do four and five, do you ever share one of yours with them as a kind of a icebreaker type thing or as a relatable type thing? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Jinx. <laughs> no, absolutely. I matter of fact, if especially if they're having a hard time coming up with something, mm-hmm. right? Number one, I don't want them to think anything they say is going to be silly. Right. I mean, it's a all. reassurance to go. Oh, oh, wait. Yeah. 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 So, I want to hear their fears, what they think are fears, and then as we move past them, sometimes they're they're you know, it's hard for me to call someone else's fears small whenever they've you know, it's, it's obviously affecting them emotionally. So I don't want to mean small fear, but after we've moved past the bugs and the spiders and snakes and stuff like that, we move into some of women. the more women, you know, Hey, Hey, well, move, move into do. the, uh, have you heard my story? <laughs> move into the, uh, the deeper, the deeper fears, you yeah. know, that, that, you know, kind of, kind of can control us. Does that make sense? Control, sure. control, because fear can control me. Oh, yeah. it, it really can. It will keep me from making a decision at all. And here's, here's the uh, here's the fun part of all that though, and this is where. Um, so I have a Al-Anon friend, and that's interesting. Uh, but we've got into this discussion a little bit. That's a different uh, way of looking at it, you know, that I've never been exposed to. But what do you? Well, you have these fears all your life, so you grow up with all this stuff in your head. What happens when you get rid of it? It's been your it's been your thing your whole life. What do you do then? You refocus that energy. Yeah, it's exactly right. You breathe for the first time. Yeah, and and you go well. I just don't. It's like Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands. You know, and you're like, yeah. I mean, it is like I'm I'm five years into this, and uh, four of those years have been fighting through the crap from the. And, like, I finally I saw somebody the other day I hadn't seen in a while, and they're like, dude, you're, like, so relaxed. And I'm like, I know, man. Like, I can see where I'm going. And is it perfect? No. But, oh, my goodness, it's so much better now. And um, Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, but you learn to go. Like, I sit there, and I go, wait a minute. I just figured out I don't like being around a crowd of people all the time. Like, I don't have to have – you know, like I, I learned that I actually myself, I like different things than I thought I did my whole life, you know, and it's kind of kind of cool. But nice. The things you thought interested you when you got into the rooms, me, I can't say you, the things that I thought interested me when I got into the rooms just really don't interest me at all now. I, I was I will say a cool uh, 
moment. So I got an uncle that um, I won't I won't say he didn't go to a program or anything like that, but very young, realized drinking was going to be a problem, and he just stopped. He doesn't drink. Never has as long as I've known him. I was I was not even born when, you know, he quit. But probably hadn't had a drink in 50 years. He used to take me fishing when I was younger. My dad worked a lot. He took me all the time. He had a bass boat, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And it was so cool that he would take me. And, you know, my dad didn't have a boat or anything like that. So I go off and I just do my wild self, you know, as an adult and a teenager. And, and I kind of get away from doing stuff like that. And um, my cousin, his daughter, got married in New Orleans about two years ago. And come to find out, the guy that's my sponsor and him know each other very well from back in the day. And... um so I get back and get sober, and my sponsor goes, do you fish? You know, and I'm like, yeah, I haven't really in years. And so that's where we kind of do our step work, and we do we do that kind of stuff. But I got back into that, and I remember how much I loved it. Well, my cousin got married in New Orleans. It was a beautiful wedding. It's his oldest daughter. And I was getting ready to go that morning. We were leaving from the wedding, and I was by myself, and I was going out to the truck, real nice hotel, and I'm pulled up in front of the front door. And I was like, I want to say something to him, you know, but but they had they had so much going on. And I turned around, and he's standing there. That morning, Sunday morning, he's just standing there. He came out to tell me bye. And I just, I got to look at him and go, hey, man, like something that you taught me or let me, allowed me to learn to love when I was a kid has helped me now later in life, and it's given me an outlet to, you know, and uh yeah, and, and like I just figured out, hey man, this is what you used to do before all that stuff, you know. And uh, so I'm loving life today. I yeah. guess is the point. Yeah, and because we did all this stuff, you know, yeah. and we continue to do a lot of it. So sure. Um, now let's talk about sex. Wasn't that a song? It let's was talk about salt sex. and pepper. There I you believe. go. I may be I may be off by a few years, but I think it was salt and pepper. Um. And we're not going to, for the for the sake of people turning us off right now and not listening to no us. No details. Well, we're not going to talk about any anything. <laughs> we're not going to talk about the physical act, okay? We're going to talk about um, conduct, relationships. Sure. And generally, that's, you know, what mm-hmm. I look at whenever I'm visiting with my guys is it's not about the actual act. It's about relationships. And I'm going to re- read the book because that's where the instruction manual comes from. We reviewed our own conduct over the years. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. So what I have my guys do is relationships, right? Start with one, and and this really helped me, okay? I mean, it didn't help me turn into the Don Juan that I am today. Well, That's not course, what I mean. Of course. It, it helped me understand me a little better, right? It helped me understand some some things that I don't do right in this category at all. Um, and so I took a relationship, just, you know, just pick one, wrote it down, and ask myself each one of these questions about that relationship. And I'll kind of take a little bit from that fourth column back there where I try to disregard the other person entirely, you know, but in this particular relationship, where had I been selfish? Where had I been dishonest? Where had I been inconsiderate? You know, and I tell my guys, you know, even though the question is listed in one sentence, ask a question for each individual category, right? It's not one big thing. And, you know, and then we review that thoroughly and we get it down on paper. Um, did any of y'all do that part of it? No. No? No. I don't, I didn't have anything to put down. On sex? No, I didn't. Well, I mean. And I'm I, not in denial but, of anything. No, but it, no, it, 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 like Mike said, though, and I think a lot of people, too, and I get this with four steps. People want to come in and go, what I did was I told this guy this and then he told me that. So then, and it's like, No you're a liar you're a cheater you're a thief whatever the 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 broad term for that is and so 
this is also one that I think people fear because they think they have to start off with these great details. And it's like, no, you're selfish. You you lied. You, you know, you cheated, whatever it was just in a general way. So, and I guess including when you say sex too, just as far as your, your person, whether you're married or whatever that might be, you can be selfish without it being a sex act, you know, Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there was a ton of that, you know, and just uh, in, in being married for a while. I mean, and it kind of evolves and, and it gets worse. No, <laughs> I mean, and that makes perfect did sense. for me, you know. I haven't had many long-term relationships and I've never been and married. And it becomes, so it becomes just... a selfish, like, oh, well, you you know. <laughs> Unfortunately. Mike I and I can do <laughs> probably a separate podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we you hear him laughing right now we're both uh th- well, no. just just you know you can't help but think about your own conduct in even in doing a podcast you know you can't sure. help but think about your own conduct whenever you're helping another sponsor helping a sponsee look at their conduct you can't help but think about you know some of the stuff you did right you know and the whole point is to mold a future life mm-hmm. or a future relationship life um Jerry uh Jerry E down in Mandeville he uh, he had had you know you write down on he never did this to me but he talked to me about it one time and you write down on a piece of paper what you want you know to tell your tell your person whoever you're working with write down on a piece of paper exactly what you want out of a relationship from the other person what do you want you know and you can list all these things right maybe a hundred things and then they show you the paper of the sponsor or whatever you know and then they turn the paper back on you and say, okay, can you be all of this? Yeah. And when I think about that, you know, it, 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 I don't, I don't want to say goosebumps cause it, it's not quite the goosebump category, you know, but it does trigger something in my head that says, man, you know, wow. Now I understand why it's called an inventory. Sure. So, uh, that is, a. Uh, that's a crucial part of it too. Um, I have done it. I've done that twice, and I, I still do it. I still look back on it. And my story with this is, um, I, I I did this right. I did the the whole four step again at year ten, and uh, we sit down at this table and we start talking and writing at the same time. And I'm talking and I'm writing. I'm telling this, that, and the other. And I'm, I've been in AA for ten years. So um, I'm still acting like a newcomer, you know, trying to, you know, but in my head, I'm trying to sort out my part and some of these things and trying to not talk about the other person and trying to play the perfect student, you know, and we're really not getting anywhere. And he's, he's asking me why he keeps asking me why. Oh my goodness gracious. A hundred times. Why, why, why? Well, you know, we're going to talk about natural instincts next week, right? Or the next episode. It's going to be two weeks from now, so everybody listening knows. But um, we we actually, me and him together, tracked down a specific incident where the action that I took could have very well have affected the rest of my life. Okay? And it wasn't nothing drastic. It wasn't nothing tragic. It wasn't one of these things that people are arrested for you see on the news, right? Um, it wasn't anything like that, but yet it affected my entire life. And I was 48 years old, and uh, whenever we did this, 47, somewhere in there. And that happened when I was 17. And we ended up tracking it all the way back to that point because of the looking at the the inventory and and the part you know that has a natural instinct so next week or two weeks from now sorry we're gonna we're gonna look actually i'm gonna dive off into the 12 and 12 a little bit when we talk about natural instincts and um we're gonna talk about how they can be good how they can be bad how they affect us and more more so how the overuse of the natural instincts can harm us from a relationship standpoint to an addiction standpoint, which kind of all comes together whenever you do the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. So, uh, you know, uh, the listeners out there, I'd love to give shout outs. Uh, Jerry, uh, Judy and Larry, um, love hearing from you guys. My prayers are with you both. Um, 
Amy C. down in Lacombe, always glad she's listening to us. Jane R., who is a, a regular listener. Uh, Miss Faye, who's been on the show once, and uh, she's a great listener. Michelle. And just celebrated three years, Miss Faye did. Yeah, sure did. A few days and, ago. Uh, Rhonda and Kim, who Rhonda and Kim. they still listen to us and leave comments. And, uh, and um, we also are hoping to get a bonus episode in pretty soon with uh, Drew. Drew, the man, the myth, the legend. The legend. Right. Y'all heard nothing until we get this guy on here. He's a, he's awesome. He Drew is is Drew. And he's one of a kind. I look yeah. forward to spending some time with him. At least spending you know forty five minutes to an hour with Drew. So that's going to be uh, up and coming. You know, uh, please forgive our delay. You know, some stuff has just gotten in the way and kept us from recording as much as we want to. But vacations are over. My trip will be over after this week and. Hopefully, we'll be back in the studio to record several episodes back to back to back so that we can talk about some some recovery-related issues. So, uh, signing off from Bossier City, Louisiana, this is The Grouch and the Brainstorm. Hey, 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 hey.